If you have your Bibles, please turn into Luke chapter 19. The Gospel of Luke chapter 19. We have taken a break from our series in Ephesians during this Easter season to look at Luke's Gospel and his account of these events leading up to Christ's death and resurrection. Pastor Russ set the scene for us last week in Luke chapter 18 as Jesus forecasted all the events that would take place in the weeks to follow. And here this Sunday, we find ourselves on the scene at Palm Sunday in Luke chapter 19. Our passage will be verses 28 through 40. Thank you for being patient with us this morning on our sound. NASA must be doing something, so... We can always blame NASA. We can always blame NASA. So. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. This is God's holy word to us this morning. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. For all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Let's pray. Father, as we come now to your holy written word given to us to teach us, to show us this account of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday and all the excitement, Lord, please reveal to us what you would have for us, the truth that should be laid upon our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As many of you know, I'm a graduate of Mississippi State University, and yes, go dogs! <laughs> and I am a, a, a fan of their athletics program, uh, particularly their football, for good or worse, most of the time worse. <laughs> this past, past fall, my family and I had the privilege to go and attend a, a game one hot, very hot Saturday afternoon, and it was the first time that we had been to a game and... Uh, Davis Wade Stadium, when they had enclosed the 
the north end zone to bring the stadium up to the capacity of about 65,000 people. But I know for you Alabama and Auburn fans, that's small potatoes, but for Mississippi folks, that's huge, okay? Uh, it was already a loud environment, but bringing it up to 65,000 and closing in one end zone, it made it an extremely loud environment. One of the things that makes it so loud is the famous cowbell. Many folks want to know why Mississippi State rings cowbells. Well, legend has it in the 40s, a cow wandered onto the field as they were playing Ole Miss, and they won. And so the cow brought luck. And as I'm sure agricultural and FDA regulations came into place, they thought it wasn't a good idea to bring a cow in the field anymore. And so they brought the cow bell, and it is rung loudly. The noise level at these games is so deafening, so loud, especially against an SEC appoint, uh, opponent. That, I mean, you can't hear. Our children, when they were small, they would, they would close their ears just because it was so loud and so deafening. Well, that illustrates in, in a small way that in the South, we are really excited about our football. We get really passionate, especially on big SEC games. Nothing, nothing gets our people more excited, more exuberant than the big game on Saturday. And being at one of these games, it really is a sight to behold. There is some major worshiping going on at these games. This kind of excitement, though, is, is somewhat of a pale picture of what took place some 2,000 years ago as a man named Jesus was heading into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And because this man was the one that they had witnessed perform many miracles, many wonders, they saw him teach with authority like no other teacher they had seen or heard, their excitement over the prospect of a Messiah was hyped up with such fervor, with such joy, with such overflowing excitement that they were waving palm branches like waving their team's flag. <laughs> their, their cloaks, their garments were spread along the road to symbolize their respect and their, again, excitement over this royal figure who was marching into Jerusalem, and loud shouts of Hosanna were given. I imagine that this multitude, that their shout, that their excitement, maybe even was louder than an SEC football game. It was quite the commotion. We don't know exactly how many people were there this Palm Sunday, but Luke records there were a multitude and from my vast seminary experience in studying the Greek, I have determined that multitude means a lot. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of a shout, a lot of excitement. It was such a commotion that the Pharisees, who were the self-righteous teachers of the law, who were the ones whom Jesus had his harshest words for, they were not happy about this. They would have none of this celebration, none of this hoopla, and so they ordered Jesus to tell his followers to be quiet. Jesus, tell your followers to shut their mouths. Tell them to stop their praising and their rejoicing. And then Jesus says something very remarkable to them, really almost unbelievable, and he says it to prove a point. He says in verse 40, 
I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. These being his disciples, his followers, Jesus said, if I shut them up, or if you even tried to shut them up, the very rocks would cry out. In other words, loud praise, loud rejoicing, excitement over the coming king, that was going to take place, whether it was from human beings or from some dumb rocks on the ground. His praise cannot and will not be silenced. The praise of the king, of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, it cannot and will not be silenced. And so whether mankind chooses to praise Christ or not, he will and he must be praised. Jesus will and he must be praised. And there are a few lessons that Luke's gospel has to teach us about the praise of Jesus from this passage. The first is, Jesus must be praised because he has perfect knowledge. The Lord Jesus must be praised because he has perfect knowledge of all things. Look there at the beginning of our passage. Jesus' disciples, his followers, were the real deal. I mean, they were, they were sold out following him. They had seen his miracles. They had heard his teaching. And they were willing to do whatever he told them. They just saw a few passages before him heal a blind man. They saw that miracle. And so they knew Jesus was powerful. And so then Jesus tells them to do something very strange. Hey, go ahead into town, and you're going to find a donkey there, a donkey that had never been ridden, and bring it to me so that I could ride on it into town. What a strange request. Would you have obeyed that order? <laughs> Would you? I think I would have asked a few more questions, like, you sure you want a donkey? You know, why not a war horse? Why not something more exciting? Why? But they obeyed him willingly. They went on ahead. But how did the disciples know that all that Jesus had told them about the donkey was going to happen? I mean, how did they know <laughs> that what Jesus told them was going to happen? And they were going to give this response to the owner, and the owner was going to go, Sure. Well, on some small scale, they believed that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the Christ, and that he has perfect knowledge, and what he told him was going to happen would happen. Jesus knew what he was going to do. Jesus knew how he was going to do it, and that it was going to be accomplished as he willed. So this scene represents the powerful fact that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He is, he is omniscient. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is the mighty God who has perfect knowledge of all things, all places, all events, everything that is going to happen. And so knowing this about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has perfect knowledge, that he knows all things, it should move us. It should cause us to praise. Christ 
knows all things. Nothing can be hidden from him. He is absolutely sovereign. He is absolutely in control. He knows all things. But Christ's all-knowing knowledge should also, in some sense, alarm us. There should be a, a kind of a holy fear that wells up within us as we think about Christ's all-knowing knowledge. And it should move us toward repentance. Jesus knows all things. All things. He knows everything we say. He knows everything we think. He even knows the secret things about us. The things that if anyone knew about us, they would be horrified. Jesus knows all things. And so may that knowledge move us to confess our sin. May it move us to repent because he knows all things. But yet his perfect knowledge of all things, his sovereignty should also comfort us. It should move us toward good works. Not to earn salvation, but we do them to please Him and to glorify Him. We do good works in His name, like shouting loud praises and hosannas. Gathering together to worship and to praise His name because He has perfect knowledge. He knows all things. He is worthy of praise. That's the first thing Luke tells us about the praise of Jesus. But also, Jesus must be praised because it is the created order of things. The Lord Jesus Christ must be praised because it is the created order of all things. Why would, why would Jesus make such a nonsensical statement about stones crying out in praise if the disciples did not. I mean, think about that. Think of what, what an odd statement he made to the Pharisees. Why would Jesus say something like this? Well, because he's pointing, to the Pharisees, he's pointing out to the Pharisees, and he's pointing to us, that man's chief end is not to obey the law. Our purpose in life is not to be quiet. Don't believe the big cultural lie that is out there right now that keep your religion to yourself. That is the most unbiblical thing that we could say this morning about this. I cannot stand it when I see that on the news or I read that out there in the paper. Just, if you just keep your religion to yourself, no way, no how. Because if we do, <laughs> the very stones would cry out. Man's purpose in life is to glorify God and to praise Him forever and sometimes do it very loudly. The praise and glory of God is the goal of everything, even the creation itself. Even the creation's purpose is to glorify God and praise Him forever. The Psalms record this over and over and over. Psalm 8. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. 
Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Psalm 113, verse 3. Our psalm of meditation this morning. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Jesus will receive praise. He he will receive all glory, laud, and honor even if it has to come from stones, even if inanimate objects have to rise up and sing his praise, he will be praised. Because all of creation, all of creation has one purpose, and that is to praise the King, the Lord Jesus Christ who has come. The impossible Stones crying out can happen and does happen and will happen because of Jesus. As I thought and meditated on this verse for the last few weeks, there wasn't much out there that I could read, that I could think about, that I could see about the stones crying out. But there was one old fiery preacher who did have some powerful things to say. Charles Spurgeon is called the great preacher of preachers in London. We don't have any of like his audio recordings or video because he's an old guy. (laughs) But his renown for his fiery preaching was well documented. He was a very loud, very exuberant preacher. And he had this to say about this verse. But could the stones cry out? Assuredly, they could if he who opens the mouth of the dumb should bid them lift up their voice. Certainly, if they were to speak, they would have much to testify and praise of him who created them by the word of his power. They could extol the wisdom of the power of their maker who called them into being. Shall not we speak well of him who made us anew? And out of the stones raised up children unto Abraham. The old rocks could tell of chaos and order. And the handiwork of God in successive stages of creation's drama. And cannot we talk of God's decrees and of God's great work in ancient times. And all that he did for his church in the days of old. The broken stones of the law cry out against us. Christ himself, who has rolled away the stone from the door of the tomb, speaks for us. Stones might well cry out, but we will not let them. We will hush their noise with ours. We will break forth into sacred song and bless the majesty of the Most High all of our days, glorifying him who is called by Jacob the shepherd and the stone of Israel. There's an old spiritual that I kind of wanted us to sing today, but I thought we might not have enough rhythm for it. But it says, ain't no rock going to cry my place. As long as I'm alive, I'll glorify his holy name. Ain't no rock (laughs) going to cry out my place. As long as I'm alive, I will glorify his holy name. We were created to glorify, and to worship God. That is why we gathered this morning. 
That is why we gather week after week corporately to worship. We're not called to try to fit worship into our schedules. Our schedule should be dictated by our worship. We were made to worship. We were made to cry out and praise Jesus with our, all of our being. And so I think a, a silly question, but a searching question for us this morning is, are you going to let a rock take your place? Are you going to let a rock take your place? So what in your life needs to change so that you're prioritizing worship? What do you need to move around your schedule so that worship is a priority? We all worship something. At the very beginning of my sermon, I described worship. <laughs> it's called football. Something I think we all need to examine in our lives and our hearts talking to myself here, but we all worship something. If it's not Jesus, what are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? What demands all your time and your energy that you have no desire, no drive, no discipline to worship Jesus because you're just too tired or lazy or apathetic or what? What is it? The loud voice of the crowd, the shouting of the disciples, it was inevitable because Jesus will be praised. So let us glorify him. Let us praise his name forever. Let's not let the rocks take our place. But the last thing that we see here in this passage of why Jesus must be praised and glorified is for what he is about to do. Jesus should be praised and glorified for what he is about to do. This Palm Sunday was a very public display. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem with lots of pomp and circumstance, and it was all on purpose. It was supposed to be like national televised TV. It was to state very loudly and very publicly that salvation was not going to be a private matter. It was not going to be something that took place in the dark corners or in the shadows. Jesus riding into Jerusalem was inaugurating a week that would affect our lives forever. The cornerstone, the, the crowning event of our Lord Jesus Christ's ministry was soon to take place. And that cornerstone, that crowning event, was his death on a Roman cross. And so the Pharisees wanted to shut up the disciples. They wanted them to be quiet. Because that type of excitement, that type of praise had no place in a law-driven, fundamental, works-based religion called Judaism. So the Pharisees were upset. And they wanted Jesus to stop that nonsense and stop it pronto. But 
that there would be no silencing this day. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world would be led to the slaughter. And he would be sacrificed very publicly. Jesus Christ will receive and should receive glory and praise. But it will not necessarily be because of a bunch of amped up disciples who are causing a lot of shouting and excitement and joy. It will be because of what he's about to do. And that is to bring salvation to the world by dying on a cross. Matthew Henry tells us that the stones crying out was in a sense literally fulfilled. When men's reveling Christ upon the cross instead of praising him and his own disciples sinking into a profound silence, the earth did quake and the rocks did rent when he gave up his last breath. The rocks did cry out. They did, the earth did quake. The stones were broken. Will we let the stones continue to do the crying out? Or will we, the church, the people of God, will we praise him as we were created to do? John Owen stated that God's purpose is to glorify himself. And none can aim at this purpose except those who are in Christ Jesus. It is for us, the followers of Christ, his disciples, we are made to praise him. And so are you? Are you in Christ Jesus? Will you be the one to give God all the glory, honor, and praise that is due his name because of the salvation that he has accomplished in Jesus? Or will we let the rocks do it for us? What is all this hoopla about on Palm Sunday? Why all the excitement? Why do we make such a big deal about Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday? It's because Easter is about our chief end. Easter reminds us of what we were created for, and that is to glorify and praise the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived and died and who rose again. Christ would be crucified for sinners. And if, and if you repent of your sin, and if you believe in him by faith, if that is where your joy is found, will you be silent? Or will you praise? Let's praise. Let's all hail the power of Jesus' name. That's what we're about to sing. Let's pray. Our Father, we freely confess that times we are like rocks, apathetic, dumb, ignorant, 
sitting still in life when we should be vibrant and moving toward praising you, toward glorifying you. And again, Lord, we see that this, this excitement, that this praise is not something we're just supposed to well up in ourselves like being excited about a big game. Lord, it's, we should be moved because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so may the gospel, may the love of our Savior move us to praise and glorify your holy name. Help us to pray in Jesus' name. Amen.